today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, with the uncertainty still uh, in the United States about who the next president is going to be, that may be, well, I was going to say it might be decided later today, but probably with court challenges, not likely. Uh, how do the markets respond to this? Obviously, you know, we know from past history uh, that the uh, they don't like indecision. Uh, they know they don't want stability and money markets and and a number of other initiatives like this. But uh, the, there's an interesting trend that seems to be developing here, notwithstanding what's going on with the vote count. Try to make some sense of it. We're pleased to welcome back to the program Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University in Ottawa. Ian, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us again today. My pleasure, Bill. But there is uncertainty. There's usually some wild fluctuations. But I'm just looking at some of the numbers here. The market's up. Uh, yes. does, I guess what's going on in the states is—is is it not bothering them? The, the well, there is. Uh, it's funny um, or odd. I mean, uh, people think there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. There's actually a lot of certainty that's occurred. Um, and and I want to explain that and unpack that. The 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 biggest certainty that's occurred is that the Democrats are not taking over the Senate. Yeah, and that is crucial because under the American system, uh, under the Canadian system too, a bill has to pass through both houses, the House of Commons and the Senate. But in the Canadian system, there's party line voting. The party in power instructs every MP knows for the Liberals that they've got to support the bills of the Liberal Party, and uh, likewise in the Senate where they're appointed by the Liberals. In the American system, the the um, uh, the elected official. Even though they're attached to, you know, they're a Republican or they're Democrat, um, they're much more independent, especially in the Senate, because each senator has to, or would-be senator, has to go and raise enormous amounts of money to get elected, mm-hmm. and and so they're they're almost like entrepreneurs, political entrepreneurs, and the president cannot order a senator and say you must vote for my bill or else, <laughs> or else what? They're in for six years. It's up to them to raise the money to get reelected. Now, of course, it helps to have a popular president in the same party. But but my point is, the president doesn't have the same whip over senators in the states that a prime minister has over MPs because the MP wants to serve in the cabinet. Sure, and they're not going to get into the cabinet if they're if they're bucking the party line. In the states, the senator is very powerful in his own right or her own right because they serve on committees. So that's the unpacking it, and you get a lot of uh, senators who cross party lines. And they vote the uh, interest of their state, which is the interest of being reelected. So if a president says, you know what, I'm going to, like Biden says, I'm going to pass some bills that are uh, 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 going to crack down on, uh, uh, on oil and gas companies, and you're a senator from an oil and gas state, it's very easy for you to vote against the president. Sure. In fact, Bill Clinton, most of the people vote in his own party against the NAFTA agreement, against Bill Clinton and his own party. So this happens regularly. Now to go to the bigger picture uh, uh, in this instance, the Democrats, uh, the more left version of the, the wing of the, ver- of the liberal, of the uh, Democratic Party, were really hoping to really go after the technology companies, Google, Apple, uh, Microsoft, and really crack down on them. And, and, and they were promising to raise corporate income taxes. Well, the markets now know that's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because the Republicans either are going to retain control of the Senate or it's going to be so close they know it all it will only take one or two Democratic senators to cross over and vote against the president. And, uh, and the Senate is, the U.S. Senate is a pretty conservative institution down there. Almost mm-hmm. everyone in the Senate, Democrat and Republican, are multimillionaires. 
So that's why the markets are so, um, shall we say, uh, easy going now. <laughs> and, and those stocks that you just mentioned, especially the tech stocks, are, are doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, but they were doing well before the election, too. I mean, during a pandemic, those things just seem to thrive, and they've actually had a pretty good run. Yes. In fact, you know, there's people throwing this term around all the time in the last two days now. Gridlock, gridlock. Well, gridlock is just another, it's just a negative pejorative term for checks and balances. I mean, the, the, when the Americans set up their, their country and their constitution uh, and their governance system, the founding fathers of the U.S., because I studied this when I was in, in, uh, in graduate school, um, were very deliberately set up checks and balances so that the House of Representatives would act as a check on the Senate, and the che- Senate would act as a check on the House, and both would act as a check on the President, and so on and so forth. So what people are pejoratively calling gridlock is the, actually the way the system was designed. And so there's a, in the states, there's a real, the system is set up to prevent radicalism, whether on the right-wing side or the left-wing side. And, and so if you're a radical conservative or a radical uh, social democrat, you know, progressive, well, you know, the American system works against you. <laughs> it's not designed for radicals. It's designed to produce, to push people to the middle, to the central, to the centrist uh, uh, point of view or positions on public policy, and um, and that's what we're seeing and what we're seeing right now with the uh, the election outcome on uh, Tuesday night, and uh, so Biden is going to be much more constrained now. Let's assume if Biden's elected, I, I think he will be. Yeah. He is not going to be having running a radical agenda whatsoever. I mean, they have been the 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 AOCs, who's a very very left wing progressive congresswoman, has been defanged along with those congressmen and women in California that wanted to go after oil and gas companies, for example, or the technology companies. Well, they've been basically defanged by the results of the election on Tuesday night in the U.S. Senate. You know, you use gridlock, I say stability. I mean, that's the way they're going to look at it, isn't it? In other yeah. words, nothing crazy is going to happen here, so that's good it's for us. Exactly. Bill, you just, exactly. You're going to see stability, no radical uh, decisions right or left are going to be taken, uh, 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 whoever becomes the president, because it's so closely checked. I mean, it's going to, it could, I think it could end up 50-50 in the Senate, and uh, with the vice president casting the tiebreaker. And and people may say, oh, then that means Biden, if he wins, will always have 50 plus one. No. No, no. (laughs) Senators frequently vote against the president. Frequently, in the same party, vote against the president. Happens every week in the U.S. Senate. Well, as you mentioned, if you're talking oil and gas, I mean, there's a number of other things that are going on, too, because uh, their prime consideration, you're right. I mean, I know they take the oath, and it's supposed to be to defend the Constitution, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but they're looking after their own self-interest. I mean, if you're from Kentucky, you've got different interests than somebody who's from California. Absolutely. Uh, because you want to get reelected, and the, the California senator wants to get reelected, too. Uh, so you're looking at everything through that lens. You're, you're absolutely right. And everyone knows, because we just hear the word endlessly, both countries, diversity, diversity, and we and they're, I'm not putting it down. You know, uh, there is tremendous diversity, and we uh, assume immediately that diversity means uh, ethnic and racial diversity. There's no question that that's one dimension or two dimensions of diversity. But in the States, there's huge regional diversity. You know, Kansas voters are very different from California voters. Who are and Kansas or 
Oklahoma are very, very different from Massachusetts voters. So you've got this tremendous regional diversity in the states, you know, the agriculture states, those states that are more rural, those that are more, uh, you know, on the oceans, on the edges, you know. And, and, and so as a consequence, that reflects in the voting of the, uh, in the Senate. And so every vote, you have to put together essentially a coalition of interests to get a vote through the U.S. Senate. Whether it's on oil or gas or pharmaceutical companies or technology companies or agricultural support for farmers it, or, or a stimulus bill, it doesn't matter. You're constantly log rolling where you're saying, look, you support me on this bill and I'll support you on that bill because I want this and this bill. And so there's just endless negotiations. It's not like in Canada, where the Prime Minister stands up, says, we're introducing this bill, and it is going to go through the House of Commons, and everybody salutes. That does not happen in the U.S. system. You well, a classic negotiate. example of that, Ian, was, was this uh, this COVID relief bill. I mean, I know it went through the Congress, but you remember Mitch McConnell and the, and the senators, the Republican senators, came up with their own version of this. Yes. He didn't even have enough votes with his own party to exactly. pass through the Senate. It's 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 fascinating. Now, for those who are uh, listeners who are saying, "Well, wait a minute, it doesn't look like that works like that in the House." The House of Reps looks more like the House of Commons in Canada, yeah, not perfectly, yeah. but it's closer. The party line, the party votes the party line much more often in the House of Representatives. And if you have a strong speaker like Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, she uses that whip, and and so representatives in the House tend to fall into line more uh, normally, more usually, like the House of Commons. But in the Senate, I think the best way to characterize the U.S. Senate, there's a 100 entrepreneurs, political entrepreneurs, in the U.S. Senate, and, and I think 98 of them are multimillionaires. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I'm talking both political parties. <laughs> And so it's going to be fascinating to see. And I, I concur with you, by the way. I think when all said and done and the dust settles, Biden will be the president. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Senate, is you're right. I mean, there's, there are going to be two runoff elections, but not until after Christmas. Uh, and, and that could change the balance in the Senate as well. So whatever is happening, uh, nobody gets a free ride. And, and we even saw that. I mean, there have been instances in the U.S. government uh, where the, the president – whoever party that is, whether it's Republican or Democrat, on a couple of occasions actually has controlled the Senate and the House, and they still can't get legislation passed if exactly. they don't like it. Exactly. They do not vote along party lines down there on a lot of issues. So uh, it's, it's not going to be a free ride for anybody, no matter who's in the White House in the next couple of months. The other thing I had to ask you, though, is clearly, because I, I've been reading, as you have over the last couple of days, dozens and dozens of articles, uh, most of it speculative, uh, if it's Biden, uh, what happens to the oil and gas industry here in this country? What happens to Alberta? What happens to the uh, – and, and I don't know if a lot of that was built on speculation, Ian, because of some of the, the fear-mongering that we heard that, oh, he's going to close down the industry, which, which he isn't, by the way. I, I've read no. what no, Biden no. wanted to do. He, you know, when he says no more, he says no more new fracking. And, and, he, and when he talks about alternative sources of energy, uh, everybody knows we're going to have to do that eventually. He no, had no intention of shutting down that industry and, and won't be able to, especially because of, the, the, as you say, the way that the, the Congress and the Senate are going to be set up. So uh, do we consider this as just going to be business as usual? 
I think so. I think there's going to be, I mean, there'll be a few things, signature issues, as they like to call them, you know, yeah. sort of very uh, symbolic issues that are, Biden's going to do something very different from what Trump did, so he could say, see, I'm not Trump. But there's going to be a remarkable consistency uh, on key issues, technology, stocks, companies, uh, oil and gas. Remember, there's way more, even allowing for the fact that the U.S. is 10 times the size of Canada, there's way more investment, way more people employed in oil and gas, uh, and not unlike Canada, where they're really only in one province called Alberta, there are, I think, about 15 or 20 states that have significant oil and gas employment and investment. And you can bet that they're going to be flexing their muscles through their senators in the U.S. Senate. And that's why I do not believe that he is not even going to... I mean, look at how quickly he walked back on the fracking. Because the people in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, which by the way people don't realize is a big oil and gas state, yeah. and they just erupted, and he backed off so fast it wasn't funny. And so my point being that you're, I don't think there's going to be. I'm not saying he won't do a symbolic thing about banning, uh, uh, revoking the permit for the Keystone, because after all, that's Canadian oil anyway. So they don't care about that, right? But mm-hmm. he's not going to be shutting down any fracking sites in the U.S. He's not going to be shutting down oil and gas operations or drilling operations in the U.S. economy and throwing American workers out of work. That'll be anathema to. I mean, that's just the way you get unelected uh, or you lose seats in the off-year election in two years from now. So I don't think he's going to do anything radical like that at all. Uh, that's an interesting point you brought up, too, because uh, the, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, because even before they started counting the votes there, the Energy Minister O'Regan has already reaffirmed Canada's position of, you know, in favor of the Keystone Pipeline. And that's going to be an inter- interesting discussion with the Bush or with a, a Biden administration uh, as to how they w- may or may not want to proceed with that. It is because Mr. Trudeau, I mean, it's not a secret. We all know this has uh, the, the Liberal Party, I mean, and Mr. Trudeau in particular, have good ties, close ties, with people in the Democratic Party and, and, and Joe Biden. And, of course, Joe Biden has a long relationship with Canada. His first wife, who died tragically at a very young age in an automobile mm-hmm. accident, people don't realize she was a Canadian. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has ties, and he, had, he visited Canada many, many times. So my point being that although the California caucus of the Democratic Party would like him to kill the Keystone, uh, Mr. Trudeau and his relationships and Canadian relationships with the Biden administration, assuming he's elected, may yet deter- ensure that the Keystone is not uh, canceled, um, because that would help actually Justin Trudeau a lot to say in the next election, look, I really am not trying to beat up on Alberta. Look, I saved the Keystone with my relationship with President Biden. So there's there's a lot of uh, uncertainty now left. Uh, I'm not so certain that Keystone is going to get canceled. It might. It might not. Well, and if there's one thing that we, I think we've been able to read between the, tea, the lines here and into the tea leaves, uh, you mentioned about uh, the, the, some of the, the more radical left side of the, of the Democratic Party. Uh, they, they're not calling the shots. I mean, they're there, and, and they need yeah. to be respected, Bernie Sanders and, and others. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to have some influence on things like social policies, et cetera. But, yeah. uh, but these, the, the, they're pragmatists, as you said, Ian. When yeah. push comes to shove, uh, Biden's a pragmatist. Uh, they're all pragmatists. Yeah. And, and they're going to look for something that's going to, as you say, maybe cut down the middle. And they're going to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But, you know, because I know during the election, of course, everything gets a little crazy. And people make all sorts of accusations that, that you know, Biden's going to acquiesce and give in to the radical left. That's not going to happen at all. 
I don't think so. Trump was making that argument, of course. Yeah. Um, and um, because you know that's politics. <laughs> but, sure. Um, I I I uh, I don't think he's going to. I think, as you just pointed out, and I think it's very accurate, he will tilt to the left on social policy, um, uh, health care, because that's his signature issue, Joe Biden's yep. signature issue. He's going to want to give more coverage to more Americans, you know, the Obamacare. Uh, but I think on the mainstream, let's call it economics and of particular industry sectors, he is not going to be the. He's going to have the the the. Um, the, the progressive left of the Democratic Party is going to be shut out. In fact, <laughs> this is one time I, I agree with Gerald Butts, who's the big-time environmentalist, of course. He was on CBC the other night, last night. Oh, yeah. And he said that Biden's probably smiling at the fact that they, it's so close, everything, because that's going to be a, allow him to say to the left side of the Democratic Party, uh, sorry, the reality doesn't permit what you're de- asking me or demanding that I do. In other words... That that the big loser in the election on Tuesday night was the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, because they wanted to do some pretty radical stuff, and they were counting on this. And the divided Senate, basically 50-50, and the very close victory, not the landslide, not the blue wave that was predicted, gives, ironically, gives more political capital to the centrists and the moderates like Joe Biden and takes power away, if you will, because they don't have any leverage now. The the progressive left, anytime they want to do something radical, Biden can say, hey, wait a minute, I've only got, we've only, we're a divided Senate. I'll never get this bill that you want me to introduce or have proposed. We'll never get it through the Senate. So why why are you even asking me? So well, and the, he's, he's got more power now as a result of this. I mean, the classic example of that is, is always sees, you know, the, the, gra- the, the, the Green Deal, the New Green Deal, which they were hanging over their heads. It was going to radicalize everything. Yes. Uh, that's not going to happen. By, there will be environmental initiatives, I'm sure, but they're, yes. they're going to be tempered. That's exactly my view. That's exactly my view. He, they're going to they're going to water down that green initiative. There may be some subsidies here and subsidies there, but they're not going to go after, as I've said, oil and gas. They're not going to go after natural gas pipelines. They're not going to go after oil exploration. They're not going to go after fracking. So it's it's going to be a very uh, it's going to be very different than if there had been a blue wave. I think if there'd been a blue wave, that the the progressive wing of the Democratic Party would have put huge amount of pressure on Biden, and they don't have that leverage now. Haven't we seen that in politics? No, on either side of the border, when when somebody wins a huge majority, they get a little heady and 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 start doing some things that maybe they shouldn't be doing, jump, jumping into the deep end of the pool too soon. It's it's as you say, it's good to have checks and balances. Absolutely. I mean, that whole system is built on you know this idea of. I mean, people look at it, and it's not the Canadian system, and they say it's dysfunctional, and what many. I've been saying this to all kinds of friends lately. You know, what we call dysfunctional is the checks and balances working as they wanted it to work. They didn't want one power center to dominate an an imperial presidency, a, a, a king, a royal king from England. They wanted different power centers to check each other. And that's exactly what you have in the states. You have these multiple power centers, not just in the political system, but oil and gas is checking the environmental sector. The environmental sector is checking the oil and gas sector and so on. So you have all of these endless checks and balances, checkers, checking, checkers, checking, checkers. And it's people think, oh, my goodness, look at all of this dysfunction. No, it's not dysfunction. It was designed that way. That's the way they want it to work. 
Exactly. Ian, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. Great talking with you. Thanks very much. Take care. Ian Lee, of course, from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.